Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of Half Court Heave. Uh, joining me today is Akshay Para and Paul Phillip, and I'm Akil Swarna. So today we're going to be doing an NFL segment. Uh, Akshay, you want to start us off? Yeah, so obviously like the most interesting uh, move of this offseason has been the move of Cam, at least I'd say second to Tom Brady, but Cam Newton to the past. Nobody knew where he was going, and eventually he ended up up in New England with Bill Belichick, which I just think is absurd on how they got a former MVP to replace Tom Brady, who's the GOAT. But I just think he's going to go out there and break out and be a stud. But for some reason, he's splitting reps. Why do you think that is? Yeah, uh, I think it's really interesting how he's splitting reps because considering the fact that, first of all, he's not only a former MVP, but he's been a longtime starter. Uh, He went to the Super Bowl carrying that offense, which I I think is almost like a form of disrespect to Cam because, like, Putting him uh, with like split or splitting reps with Jared Stidham, like a second year QB out of like Auburn, like I, I don't know why. I, Cam seems healthy to me from all his Instagram videos. I uh, hope he's doing well. He's definitely going to prove a lot of people wrong. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I don't think that these guys that like the Pats have any like real intention of starting Stidham in the year. I think that it's like more of like a formality. Than anything else like I mean technically like you know is still like a new player and he hasn't been in the league for a while then they might not want to rush him into it yeah I I guess that makes sense but like when you bring him in you're not bringing a former MVP and Cam Newton to be your backup like I don't know why he was unsigned for so long but once you sign him you have to make him your starting quarterback or the fan base and the rest of the media is just going to go wild yeah I think that's the unique thing though like you know Belichick, he's not your most orthodox coach, but he wins. So I guess that's why the media isn't blowing it up more out of proportion. But, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. He's winning games as usual. So he probably is something under the radar. Yeah, and I don't – I mean, I don't think that – I feel like for a normal organization, how the media might react to, to something like this would be a, of a big concern to them. But for the Pats, like, I don't think it, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I think it was there. It was the year that they beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl when early in the season um, or I don't know. I don't, I don't remember which year exactly, but 2016, early, I think. It, yeah, it was 2016. But early in the season, they were struggling defensively and they moved one of their one of one of the only bright spots of that defense. I'm blanking out on the name. They moved into the Browns. Um, uh, for for pretty much like nothing in return, and and this was like that was that was a big deal then. Um, like people thought that they were like getting rid of the only good player that they had on had on that side of the ball. But I mean, throughout the rest of the season, Belichick just tightened it up, um, and and you know based the based the entire um, defense just around the system, you know, not around any individual player. So, you know, he's not afraid to make big moves um, and he's not afraid of of what the media is going to say about the team. Yeah. I mean, like, no matter what, Bill Belichick and the Pats, the organization as a whole, they just always find a way to succeed even when it doesn't seem likely. I mean, that obviously didn't happen last year because of their lack of offensive weapons. But usually they just, like, find a way to hit this stride at the right time and do what they do, which is win Super Bowls. And I know they lost a lot of defensive assets this year, and they lost Tom Brady. They don't have any offensive skill players. I just don't know 
how Bill Belichick's going to pull this one out, but it always seems like he does. So I think the Pats will be – they won't win the division. I think they're going to um, – I think the Bills are going to win the AFC East. But personally, I think they'll be a wild card team, maybe get that six or seven seed in the AFC. Yeah, this is definitely the Patriots. I mean, everyone's talking about how Tom Brady has to prove himself. Uh, or sorry, how Bill Belichick has to prove himself, which I don't think is the case because Belichick was good at the other teams he's coached at, uh, you know, disregarding his position, whether that be offensive, uh, sorry, whether that be head coach or defensive coordinator. But uh, going back to the Pats in perspective to their division, yeah, their division got this year. Uh, Bill, Stephon Diggs, Dolphins, you know, whole team revamp. And, uh, yeah, I agree with Akshay. Uh, I don't see the Patriots winning this one. But I think if they do, then Bill Bel- that's a really strong addition to Bill Belichick's resume. Yeah, but I- Yo, yeah, you go, Akshay, you go. I was like, yeah, I don't think Bill Belichick needs any additions to his resume, to be honest. Like, right now, everybody agrees he's the best coach in NFL history. And I just feel like no matter what, he's going to find a way to pull it out at the end of the season. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that I think that things are in doubt. Like, if you can't if you can't pull it out with Tom Brady, um, at like like they did at the end of last season, um, like I mean in that in that massive upset, like if you can't if you can't pull it out, um, with Brady, I don't know if you're gonna be able to pull it out with Cam Newton. I think that we all get a little bit like too excited about him, and I mean it was definitely like a good acquisition. It was easily the best that the Patriots could do. But when you think about Cam, like. Even in even in his MVP season, he didn't even he didn't throw over sixty percent, you know. And you look at the stats; like he threw over sixty percent in twenty eighteen, and he threw over sixty percent in twenty thirteen and twenty eleven. Those were the only years in his entire career where he's thrown over sixty percent. Nor has he gone over. Um, he the only time he went over four thousand yards was his rookie season. So when we when we call him like a former MVP, um, you know, I think that that's a little bit misleading. Yes, he had he did have a great season and he's had a great career. Um, But I don't think that I think that there's a little bit too much hype around him. Yeah, but I feel like he might not be the passer. As you were saying, all his passing stats and accuracy and everything are low and they're lower than Tom Brady. But like the question has always been. Is it Brady or is it Belichick? And personally, I think Tom Brady would be nothing without Bill Belichick as his coach. I think the game plans, the schemes, the way he's able to change from week to week is what's important, not Tom Brady. And now they just have another aspect that they can add to the game. They might, they might not pass as much with Cam, but they're definitely going to start running the ball a lot more and just find a way to win, in my opinion. But I don't know what Akil thinks. Yeah, I completely agree. I always thought it was Belichick. Uh, of course, you know, not that zero credit goes to Brady, but it's majority going to Belichick. And I think this is Brady's year to prove anything. If, you know, if anyone must prove anything, Belichick's one Super Bowl, uh, one Super ones, Yeah, I was what, about to say. One yeah. Super Bowls as the defensive coordinator with the Giants. He, yeah, he, uh, with the Browns, with the treacherous Brown, Browns team, I think it was a short tenure, like, maybe two years, he did decent with them. And then, of course, you've seen the Patriots dynasty that he successfully built. Uh, so, yeah, Brady has stuff to prove. Belichick's got nothing else. But I think if Belichick, again, wins this division, 
that's amazing for him because that's going to show people, you know, Belichick's more of the yeah, I mean, but to conversely, the Patriots dynasty if, than Brady. If has Brady been. wins big with Tampa, then you can make the same argument in in the opposite direction. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it'll be an interesting year for sure. Definitely yeah. Yeah. Both of them got a lot of pressure, and it's just whichever one does better is everyone's going to give the credit to that person. So we'll have to see. Only time will tell. But uh, I think it's time we can move on to our next Very topic true. of uh, Earl Thomas. We saw what happened with him in Baltimore. Got physical with the teammates, started punching him at practice. They obviously then released him, and now he has no home. So uh, where do you guys think he's going to go? To be honest, yeah, Paul, I don't know. I one. don't know where he's going to go because when you think about the circumstances surrounding his um, surrounding his departure from Baltimore, it wasn't just one incident. Um, I think it was maybe in 2019 um, the incident he had with his wife and like a weapon. Uh, you know, things like that. Like he he has been dysfunctional um, for you know for a little while now. And so what I think is, I don't think that any um, stable team is going to pick him up. I think a team that is looking for for some for like a big move, like you know, I'll just throw a name out there. Um, you know, the Browns, a team that's looking to make like a big change or to gain some media attention. That's who that's who Earl Thomas will end up with. But I think that all the stable teams um, know that he's more trouble than he's worth. Yeah, I completely agree with Paul just said. I was actually going to mention that too. I don't think any contender is going to pick him up. I think peop- uh, teams on the brink of contending and also teams that are looking to take that next step, uh, such as teams like, you know, I'm not saying he's going to go to the Giants, but I think like a Giants-like team would be someone that'd be interested in him considering their lack of defensive consistency. Experience, you know, all these contributing factors and considering how you so I think some like key landing spots to look at are maybe the Patriots I just thought of just now. I know Bill Belichick's a no-nonsense guy, but you know he's brought in guys like Chad Ochocinco. He's kept Gronk around for so long. So I could see if he does this, especially Bro, considering how, I was literally about to how bad the Browns the and the Pats. Just because the Browns have people like Kareem Hunt, and they don't really care much about you know the off-the-field issues, which I think they should pay more attention to, but that's just me. They have so much talent and personalities. So why not just add another one? And the Pats, because they just seem to get all these you know super talented players on super cheap contracts, so that could be one of them. But I was just about to say those two teams, and you, you forgot them. But I could also see him going to a team where – like the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC, you know, I, I just got to make one up on the spot because, you know, the Vikings, they lost a key piece of the defense in Xavier Rhodes and Everson Griffin. They're looking for someone else to step up and take that role. And they, they lost their offensive coordinator. So they're going to take a step down on the offense. They need their defense to be better. And maybe they feel like Earl Thomas is a piece there where, you know, he can really fit into that mold of a, typical strong safety and then just come in and annihilate the competition and give the Vikings that division between them and the Packers. They need something to separate them. And I feel like the Vikings, if they get Earl Thomas, that might be what puts them over the edge. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really great points right there. Something else that I was thinking off the top of my head Though I know from Earl Thomas's standpoint, he would not want this. I think Seattle would be a really cool fit for Earl Thomas. Not just 
you could always use, you know, an extra player, especially considering that they just got Jamal Adams. They don't have picks in the coming years. So they're trying to win now mode. They're not trying to tank at all because they don't even have their picks with them in order to tank. So I think Earl Thomas would be a great pick there. But, of course, I don't see that happening considering Earl Thomas's past with the Seahawks. Yeah, there's just no way that's going to happen when they already have Jamal Adams. Like, there's no need to just pick up another locker room cancer and add him to the mix of that really tight-knit Seattle group. So I don't think that's going to happen. But I do agree with the rest of you guys were saying about, like, him going to a team that's kind of on the edge, whether it be the Browns, the Patriots, or the Vikings, a team like that. Not He's not going to go to a team where they already have a set culture because the GM and everybody down is just going to be afraid he's going to ruin it. But he's definitely – he wants to go to a winning franchise. So, yeah, he's – Playoff ready team, but we'll see. Mm, yeah, and actually, I mean, two. I I think two interesting points. Um, and this is actually that you something you mentioned a little while ago. Um, about the Browns, like you know, taking a bunch of high profile players with like you know, um, uh, big personalities and bringing them into the team. How do you feel about that? Do you think that that's like a good idea? I don't think it's going to work out. I think that because like. Additionally, they have a first-year head coach, too. He's never, like, been in charge of a locker room. So we'll see how that's going to work out. But with all those personalities doing whatever they want, thinking whatever they want, they're not going to respect somebody who's a first-year head coach, whether it be Freddie Kitchens last year or Kevin Stefanski this year. He doesn't know yet how to control a locker room. I'm not saying he can't learn. I'm just saying this first year, I don't think they're going to be able to put it together because they need someone they respect to lead the team. And I feel like Kevin Stefanski... The first-year head coach cannot do that. Yeah, I completely agree with Akshay. Uh, I think, you know, on any team, given there's always one or two guys, you know, their names pop up in the news once in a while. But this Browns team, it's kind of like they're going out for these, like, outspoken players. Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, (laughs) uh, Baker Mayfield. Their GM uh, a while ago, John Dorsey, he was a pretty open guy too. And then Miles Garrett, of course, considering his controversy last year. Uh, I think it's a really vocal team, which can be a very good thing and a very bad thing. You know, the Seahawks, uh, when they had the Legion of Boom, they were a very vocal defense. It worked really successfully for them. But the thing is, they had Pete Carroll, a very experienced but I think coach, the distinction that you have coach. to make between like the Seahawks said, Kevin Stefanski, and, it's and the Browns really interesting to is see how he Seahawks handles all those big vocal personalities. Team in terms of of like of their role in like political activism and things like that and i guess you could you could say that you know uh richard sherman like you know some of richard sherman's uh stuff on the field um like what what he would say about um other receivers like michael crabtree and things like that you know maybe that was a little bit of a distraction but at the end of the day they were they were only vocal in like the right ways you know they were vocal about activism and stuff like that this browns team isn't vocal they're controversial kareem hunt uh kareem hunt if they were to add earl thomas or if they were and uh miles garrett baker mayfield and even Mm. odell like these aren't players who are standing up for social justice these are players who are having like significant issues on and off the field i mean we saw what baker did in college we saw what, what miles garrett did last season um, you know, Odell kind of throughout his career has been known. I know, I know, Akio won't like me saying this as a as a diehard Giants fan, but you know, he, I mean, that, I guess that's the truth of the matter. He he struggled with his temper, um, especially <laughs> early on, like you know when teams couldn't win. He 
he struggled with big playoff moments, yeah. even though he's, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities for those. Um, so, so yeah, I don't think, I don't think that what the Browns do, what the Browns have been doing for the right. past couple of years is a good idea, but I understand where they're coming from. I mean, it was a team that got zero media attention because they were so, not only were they so bad, they were so boring. And, you know, this certainly, you know, makes them the opposite of boring. It makes them interesting. But it does not make them good. Yeah, I really liked what Paul said about like the Browns being controversy and the Seahawks being leaders. The Seahawks gave their vocal players an opportunity to express themselves, and they did it in the right way. They had the leadership in place with John Snyder as the GM, Pete Carroll as the head coach. They had the leadership in place to be able to enact on their players' voices and basically give back to the community, give back to the media, and just express themselves in the right way, both on and off the field. But with the Browns, they've been having a culture of losing for the past, like, 20 years now or however long, and they just don't have that same culture the Seahawks do. So I think it's two completely different situations, as Paul was saying. But, yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah, it's really hard to get yourself out of that hole. And one thing I uh, realized while Paul was talking about the players on the Browns a lot of those players, you've heard them just talk about how bad they want to win. You know, Jarvis and uh, Odell coming from LSU, winning culture. Baker, you know, literally winning the Heisman. His Oklahoma career was really successful. Uh, Nick Chubb at UGA, great career there. Kareem Hunt when he was with Kansas City, great time. You know, all these players are so used to winning. And I feel like they won't be able to handle, like, if they just lose a little bit this year. They won't be able to consider, oh, I have a first-year head coach. Oh, I have a first-year GM. You know, that's, it's, it's, that's where it's going to become yeah, like really toxic. I think toxic that the Browns' and, idea uh, was that if they going brought to winning players to the team, that would create a winning culture. But what they didn't understand is that the winning culture doesn't come from the players that are coming in. It comes from within the organization, you know, um, like from top to bottom, from GM, coach. Um, the assistants, like those are the guys who instill the culture, you know, the players like specific players, um, especially in, in the quarterback position, um, you know, can change that. Uh, I think that like, you know, for example, Tom Brady would be the kind of guy who changes the culture in Tampa. But beyond that, it's like, you know, a wide receiver who's used to winning doesn't make the team or doesn't help the team gain a winning culture, especially when it's a, receiver <laughs> uh i feel like hey boy when it's a receiver like odell you know jarvis is, is kind of a different story um but, but he didn't he didn't really ever have any success um like in terms of winning in his professional right. career yeah i don't um, think uh, i don't think any any of them had success whether it be mm-hmm. baker who's a rookie straight into the nfl in a losing culture odell came from the giants who you know made the playoffs once in however many years sorry akil and jarvis landry <laughs> landry down in miami you know losing culture once again. And then Miles yeah. Garrett, who they brought up in the organization, Denzel Ward, all these people, they're either rookies who have only experienced the Browns losing culture or have came from losing organizations. So they just don't know what winning is, what it feels like, and how to make it happen. Yeah, I think college success is different than NFL success. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really so interesting to see where they go towards the breakout players and teams that, you know, we're really thinking about. Uh, I think I'll start for this one. Originally, I was thinking about Drew Locke, but I think Paul's going to get into that a little bit later in the show. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep going. Keep yeah, going. so I'm pivoting to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster out there in Pittsburgh. 
I know last year he didn't exactly have the year he wanted once AB left. And two years ago when AB was still there, his last year in Pittsburgh, he really like popped off then. And he was a great wide receiver too. And everybody thought last year that he would just come in and resume that role and be even better because he had, would have more targets without AB being there. But I think that one year in the advance, now he has Big Ben as his quarterback, not Duck Hodges or Mason Rudolph. He has an actual legit Super Bowl winning quarterback who's going to be throwing him the ball. And he has more experience being that wide receiver one, being the leader in the locker room, the leader in the wide receiver room. He just has more experience in that role. I think that's really going to benefit him and the Steelers and have them winning the AFC North with Juju being a legitimate pro bowler this year. Yeah, very good. Uh, Paul, you want to go ahead with Drew Locke? You seemed excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, one thing I want to say about Juju, I mean, yeah, like kind of like a lackluster, a little bit of an underperformance last season. And I can speak to that firsthand because I had him on fantasy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... I think what we're not considering is, I think it's a good point. Yes, he, he's getting Big Ben back. But one, I mean, Big Ben is not the player that he used to be, you know? Um, and nor, and it's like, and when you think about um, quarterbacks that are aging, um, because I guess like really with any other position, once you're hidden like past 33, you know, it's, it, it, does, it doesn't really matter what your discipline is. If you're playing running back or you're playing wide receiver, um, you know, by, besides Fitzgerald. But I think the thing is, like, Big Ben, um, great as he was early on, I don't think that he has he has the discipline that guys like um, the guys like Drew Brees or guys like Tom Brady have in order to to sustain themselves long term and be really efficient. So, a that that's one of my concerns. Um, but I think the other one is that with Juju, we. We, we, yeah, people assumed he's going to get more targets without AD or without AB. But the problem is now that AB is gone, see, Juju was only getting, he, he never got double team when AB was around. You know, once AB was gone, he was the guy to beat, you know, and so he was getting double team. And so what we, what we thought was going to have be an increase in targets was actually offset by, you know, by an, an increase in defensive coverage. So that's why I guess I'm a little bit, um, wary on that but i like it i like it for sure yeah so, i mean yeah go yeah, ahead you go uh so yeah i know you're saying that big ben won't be the quarterback that he was like you know say in the 2010s or he won't be as good as drew Brees or tom brady is right now but he still has that how do i say this he still has that pedigree he's still like a lot better than mason rudolph or duck hodges were last year like he's still a different level of quarterback than the quarterbacks juju was playing with last year and i understand like I haven't always been the biggest Big Ben fan, but I can respect his uh, how good he was throughout his career. And I think he's just going to – people are saying he's going to pick it up and be better than he was before. And I don't know if that's true, but I know he's definitely going to be better than the Steelers quarterbacks last year. And um, Juju – Yeah, that's facts, facts. Yeah, and Juju, he might have got more defensive attention last year, but – now, at least I think, I don't know how true this is, but he, since he's seen it once before, he knows what to expect going into the season and he can kind of adapt to it. Like, because he's had the whole offseason to kind of work at it, think about it, think about how he's going to approach the season. And with that experience going on from last year, I think it's going to carry over to this year and just, you know, pick him up into another level of wide receivers. Okay, okay. All right. No, no, no. You go, you go. Yeah, uh, going off of what? Oh, sorry, Paul. You want to go ahead? 
Yeah, so going off of what Paul said earlier, uh, I also have, like, you know, a couple concerns, though I'd love to see Juju do great. Uh, like what he said about AB, um, you know, that's happened to a lot of players, but I feel like Juju was surrounded with, like, almost like a superstar offense, and he's still getting used to not having those guys around. Like, Big Ben was way better. His offensive line was better. He had Le'Veon, AB, and now he's taking that role of AB on that offense. So he, he's the new Antonio Brown, and I think he's still adapting to that position, and I'd love to see him do great. But also another one of my concerns is disregarding the Bengals. The Ravens and Browns, their defenses have only gotten better. Uh, you know, you see in both adding the Steelers' passing attack versus the Ravens and Browns' pass defense. It's going to be really interesting to see how Juju yeah, steps but up. I understand what you guys are saying, and like – you know, I'm not the biggest Steelers fan. I kind of dislike them, but I respect them. But personally, I know this is kind of going away from the topic, but I don't feel like the Ravens are going to be nearly as good as they were last year. And I don't even think they're going to be a playoff team next year because I think defenses are kind of going to figure out Lamar a little bit more. And just the way they played was uh, it was unique. But I think once you figure it out, it's because he didn't pass the ball much at all last year. I know he says I'm not a running back and stuff, but what he was doing with they were running the ball so much. And I think that can only be successful for one type of year. It's not going to carry on into multiple seasons over and over and over again, but that's a different story. But um, I was thinking about the Steelers like last year. Yeah. Their whole offense just had it off year, whether it be Juju or James Connor, just like it never clicked for them for some reason. And I don't know why I just got a feeling they're going to put it together, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Paul, you want to go to your most improved player slash team? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, most improved player, and I guess, um, I guess this kind of wraps in with like my hot take. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm telling you, Drew Locke, Broncos quarterback, second year player. Um, this year he'll be a second year player. Twenty 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 one MVP. And I <laughs> know. And so, and so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me lay it out for you, and and also let me let me give credit to Colin Cowherd because, like, right before when you guys told me, like, okay, make hot takes, I was like, okay, let me go find someone else's hot take, and then and then just say this on the show. Uh, but okay, but so let me let me lay this out for you. All right, think about some of the top young guys in the past couple of years. All right, first name that comes to mind, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, Carson Wentz, um, Carson Wentz, who I know, Akil's, Akil's saying that he's a fan of, um, and then, you know, Daniel Jones and stuff like that. Um, Daniel Jones has done well, yeah. But when we think about all three of these guys, Patrick Mahomes didn't play his rookie season. Lamar played, he played some, uh, had like six touchdowns, three picks, like 58% completion percentage. Um, and had, like, maybe over a 1,000 yards his rookie year. Uh, Carson Wentz also had I, – I forget, I forget the stats, but, I mean, he, he just didn't really do much. And his second year, his second year is when he was an MVP candidate. And then for Patrick Mahomes, for Lamar Jackson, for both of them, those two were MVPs their second years. So when we think about that, like, these guys who have been absolute studs, I mean, maybe uh, except for Carson Wentz, but he he's had a, he's had a good career so far. Besides the injuries, um, when we think about these guys, and then we look at Drew Locke, you know, and we look at the stats. He's I mean, obviously they're lackluster, 
but but they're still better than some of these guys' stats. I mean, he was completing 64%, um, seven touchdowns, three picks, 89 um, uh, passer rate. And, you know, that's better. that was a better percentage than Lamar. Granted, you know, Locke doesn't have the same mobility that Lamar does, but he is a mobile quarterback. Um, and then, obviously, that was better than Mahomes because Mahomes pretty much sat throughout his rookie season. But I think when you look at the tape, you look at you look at Drew Locke's highlights, and he didn't play the full season, obviously. And a lot of throws are, you know, a little, you know, short, intermediate routes. But there's a couple throws here and there, and I think this is this is what's going to give the insight. This is what gives me insight into why he's going to be a great, a tremendous player next season. Is because there was there was a two point conversion late in the game against the Seahawks. Um, you know, obviously the Seahawks defense hasn't been what they were in previous years. But, I mean, they're, they're still a great defense. And not only that, Drew Locke, a rookie, you know, throughout high school, throughout college, the Seahawks were in their prime. So him dealing with all that pressure is a two-point conversion, and he throws an absolute dart between two Seahawks defenders to convert it. Granted, the game was, um, you know, pr- like pretty much over. What, it put them within one score, but there was only a couple minutes left in the fourth. Um, but I think, I mean, that's like a, a decently high-pressure situation, too. Um, throws, throws like, throws like that. Um, some like he threw a couple absolute beauties, um, you know, over the shoulder, over the shoulder catches, um, that were just absolute dots throughout the season. And I think just plays like that. If you're doing stuff like that, you're going to be a great player. You know, even it's his rookie season. There's a lot of room to grow, obviously, but I think, I think those flashes are what we're going to see a lot more of next season. Yeah, especially considering his new weapons that he has, Jerry Judy. Um, I think his name is KJ Hamler from Penn State. You got Melvin Gordon, uh, another season with the coaching staff and offensive coaching staff specifically. Um, John Well Elway's his GM, so you know, that's the greatest quarterback in their franchise history. I think he's gonna do great improvements there in Denver. Yeah, but uh you can't exactly cite John Elway because he hasn't had the greatest success drafting quarterbacks with, you know, Paxton Lynch and other people who just fell completely flat but i'd have to agree i do not think he's going to win the mvp this year but i think mvps are in his future like maybe three years down the road because he's an absolute stud and when you think about it he sat behind joe flacco who's the same guy who mentored lamar jackson to become the mvp he is right now and also he just has so many more weapons than he did last year with the new running back and the new wide receivers akil mentioned and with the improvement of noah fant his tight end with the weapons he has the coaching staff around him i just see him being a stud for such a long time. So that was a good take, Paul. Uh, yeah. Unless you have anything else to add, Akil can start his uh, breakout player. Akil, you go ahead. Yep. Uh, so my most improved player will actually be two players. It'll be the quarterbacks of New York, the Duke of New York, Daniel Jones, and Sam Darnold. Uh, first, Sam Darnold. I think, you know, we've been expecting him to improve for a while now, but I think I definitely think we're going to see that this coming year, considering his success later in the season after he came back from his mono injury. Uh, yeah, I think they went like <laughs> don't call it an injury. That's, that's <laughs> oh, yeah, self-inflicted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so after his, you know, his situation, um, I think the Jets went like six and two. They were winning games. Darnold was doing great, looked great, making really good throws, and he's a smart guy from, uh, you know, University of Southern California. He knows who he's working with. He's got new weapons, one or two on the offense. And then, you know, he's got um, 
Mackay Becton, the huge six seven tackle on his left side now protecting him. I I'd love to see what he's gonna do. And I, you know, third year, he's definitely gotta make some improvements going into it. Uh, but you know, my second guy, my favorite guy, Danny Dimes, I think he's going to do great. And I think that's a given. I saw great, uh, football IQ from him last year, nothing much to improve upon last year, except for, you know, maybe deeper throws, somewhat more sideline accuracy. And that's, that's the one thing I was going to point out. The only one improvement I could see from him is fumbles. Uh, I heard he's been working really hard this off season, added nine pounds of muscle over quarantine. And he's been really working with, you know, uh, David Cutcliffe, the coaching staff, and other trainers in North Carolina for him to work on his blindside awareness. So I'd love to see both those guys do great. Yeah, I think Daniel Jones, you know, being a Duke fan, I'm partially biased because it's like barely on any other Duke players in the NFL. But I think he's projecting out to be an absolute stud because, like, he can do it all. He's mobile, more mobile than people think. He can throw the ball downfield. He has Saquon as his running back, which is just, you know, an added plus. And he, he's improving along with his other wide receivers and Darius Slayton. And he has veteran wide receivers like Golden Tate. He's got the weapons around him to be successful. And if he just fixes that fumbling problem, he can be a really solid quarterback. And I think he's going to be better than Eli Manning. But that's just me. I don't know how Akil feels about that. But, um... With your Sam Darnold take, I just hate that. I do not think Sam Darnold will be a good quarterback in the NFL. I think he'll be a, you know, a high QB2 by the end of his career. But because he lost Robbie Anderson, who was his wide receiver one. And I know they drafted offensive line help and they drafted one wide receiver in the second round, Denzel Mims out of Baylor. But um, he doesn't really have that much to improve upon. I know you said they went six and two, but he lost weapons. He didn't actually gain much at the end of the day. And he just didn't play. He didn't show me enough, in my opinion. But uh, I don't know how Paul feels. I don't think I watched enough Sam Darnold to, like ha- to even have an opinion on this. Um, I don't know. He's. I guess he's your prototype. Him and Daniel Jones are built real similar. You know, the, the prototypical quarterback, you know, tall, strong, and white. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If that's a controversial take. Uh, I think. I think. Like. I mean. That's what the NFL has been looking for. Like for so long. Yeah. Now finally breaking out of that mold, and obviously with a lot of success. Um. But <laughs> no, I don't know enough about Sam Donald to like really have an opinion on it. Yeah, I definitely uh, expect more improvement from Daniel Jones over Sam Darnold. I think already Daniel Jones is better than Sam Darnold, and I think that completely unbiased. Daniel Jones comes into the better New York team, the more famous, the more, you know, pressurized New York team behind a two-time Super Bowl champion, and he does a great job in his first year. I mean, one thing that people don't recognize, pretty sure Daniel Jones had the second most rushing first downs in quarterbacks, only behind Lamar Jackson. He threw the same amount of touchdowns as Tom Brady and threw less picks. I'm pretty sure it's less picks than Kyler Murray in less games. So I really hope he does well, and he looks really good based off of his rookie season. Yeah, there are just so many amazing young quarterbacks in this league, from Drew Locke to Daniel Jones, the ones we mentioned, but like Mahomes, Lamar, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. For a period there, there was a little bit where the future in the league was in jeopardy because they had Aaron Rodgers, he was aging, Drew Brees aging, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, all of these guys were getting older. And, like, we didn't know who was going to pick up the slack, but it's just going to be really exciting to watch all these young quarterbacks just go into the prime at the same time and battle it out in the playoffs. And I'm just really excited for the future of the NFL. Yeah, future of NFL looks really bright. I think uh, 
I'm not trying to diss the NBA, but uh, the NFL looks a lot better than the NFL, and not in the quarterbacks, but, you know, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and also the voices of the NFL players you hear now more heard than ever, uh, starting with Colin Kaepernick just four years ago, but now players are starting to speak up more, and you see that they're uniting together, and they're going to become a bigger voice in itself, and you see they're starting to progress, and the NFL is, you know, taking that next step into being more than just you know, a sports league like the NBA. Yeah, yeah, really good, really good things coming from the NFL. So uh, how about we move on to our final takes? I know Pollardy did his with the Drew Lock MVP, but uh, me and Akil can go. So uh, Akil, you want to go first or should I? You can go ahead. Yeah, so my hot take was uh, I think the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs this year. And I know that's bold coming from a division. That's with... the cap. That's cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's bold coming from a division with the Bills and the Pats, and they may, in fact, be the worst team in the NFL, or not in the NFL, in the AFC East <laughs> with the Jets there too. But uh, I just think they have so much room to improve. Tua is going to come in there, and if he starts, he's going to be a stud. If not, they got Fitz Magic, who's you know magic. <laughs> and they also added the, the, the name is misleading. All right, he is not. He is not. But they added a going, going. bunch of studs on defense, too. I know they took some of the Pats players, and I really like their coach, Brian Flores. I just think they got a really good thing going down there. And personally, I can see them, like, fighting with the Pats, with the Browns for that last playoff spot. Like, I think they're going to get it just based off, you know, the youth they have. They haven't took the amount of hits that other teams have. So late in the season, they're going to be more energized, and they're just going to be more excited to make the playoffs. And they're going to be – just a complete stud of a team this season. But uh, we'll see. They're going to be right in there, and that makes it the end of the season, in my opinion. But what do you guys think? If I had a dollar for every time that Akshay said a dude or a team was going to be a complete stud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I think – I mean, here's the thing. I think that Tua, if, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, I mean, it'll be like – It'll be interesting, I guess. There's, I don't want to say that there's not like a mold for Tua. I guess that you would say like his ceiling Russell is Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah, I guess you'd say his ceiling is Russell Wilson. Um, like him and Kyler Murray. Um, like they're coming up around the same time. I mean, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be wary of saying that anybody's going to be as good as Russell. But no, I think he, I think Tua will be good. I just worry about like, like who else do they have? You know. Um, you, you say that they're young um, and they're hungry to make the playoffs, but with, with youth also comes inexperience. And I guess and even if they did make the playoffs, I don't see them getting, getting really um, – getting, getting far at all. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they're not going to win any playoffs games this season. But, like, I just think that with Devontae Parker, too, and they picked up some of the Patriots – defensive players i think they got kyle van noy i'm not 100 sure about that but they're building a culture down there with the old patriots coach brian flores that's just going to be successful for years to come and it's going to start eventually and my take is why not now but uh i don't know yeah i i think this is a kind of people were saying this about matt patricia and what was going on in detroit but i think this is a lot different brian flores mimicking what bill belichick does which a lot of belichick's assistants haven't done and have become unsuccessful Love the culture that he's building down there. Uh, I think culture is a big thing when you want to win football games. And also, I really like their defense. Defense, uh, they spent a lot of money. Uh, I can on- honestly only think of Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy off the top of my head. 
but I'm sh- uh, Tua is going to be great if he comes in in the second half of the season. You know, Fitz Magic, he's going to be good probably for four or five games. And I'm really excited to see their improvements. They're a really young team, you know, fresh. No one's really washed up. But like Paul said, that in- inexperience could place uh, a huge burden on them. Yeah, we'll see. We have yeah, we'll see. No but idea. Akio, what's your take? What's your big take? Okay, so uh, I guess being a Giants fan, uh, you're in a division that no one else really cares about. Nothing much going on there. But one player that I've been consistently scared of to face every time I see we're playing the Eagles is Carson Wentz. And here's the thing, though. I think Carson Wentz is a top five QB when healthy. I think when healthy is a key word because the problem is he can't stay healthy. We've only seen, like, one really good season from him. And then the others, he's been good really good almost, but then he just gets injured, which I hate to see. That His second year, he did amazing. I No debate. He was like a top three QB that year, and then he gets injured. Uh, this past season, he was working with like a bunch of microwaves and toasters as receivers. He's doing great. Then he gets injured. You hate to see him get injured, but I also don't think there's as much competition in that top five QB with him. I definitely think he's a four or five, not a top three. You know, it's going to be Mahomes, Wilson, Jackson, that top three probably for the next five years. Uh, But that four or five position, I really think it's up for grabs between Deshaun, Carson, and then whoever else, you know, comes into the conversation. Carson can make those deep field throws. He has a huge arm. I just think the problem is his offense isn't as good as some of those other guys like Patrick Mahomes' offense or Deshaun's uh, offense up until this year or Drew Brees' offense. You know, he doesn't have those weapons, but he's working with what he has, like Russell Wilson does. I think he's doing a great job when he's healthy. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think he's a good quarterback when he's healthy, but he's not, like, elite level, top five, like you were saying. Because when you look at it, like, when you really look at it, we have Lamar, Mahomes, Wilson, and for me, Deshaun Watson's above him also. But I think those four, at least for me, those four are above him. I know you said three, but I think those four are above him. And for that fifth spot, I can see what you're talking about. But at the same time, like, there's just so many quarterbacks you can put into there. I think he's in my top ten, but not my top five. Because there's, like, people like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers. All three of them, for me, would personally be ahead of Carson Wentz. But I think there's an argument that could be made. So, I don't know. What does Paul think? Yeah, I'm I'm probably on Akshay's side. I think obviously there's an argument to be made if he has like an incredible season, it could put him in that top five spot. But there is just in an insane amount of great quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, obviously the top three are, are kind of locked for now um, with Mahomes, uh, Jason, and Wilson. Uh, but even the four or five, you got Brady, Breeze, Watt. I'll throw in like Daniel Jones or Kyler Murray if he has a great season. Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, like there's 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 just a ton of great quarterbacks, and I'd be hesitant to say like, oh, he'll he'll be a top five player. Um, yeah, I'd but... love to see more of him if Carson Wentz could stay healthy, because then we could you know determine this more. It'd be a more solid argument for him, considering he's missed the playoff games he's supposed to play in. That would have been a contributing factor to. Carson Wentz being a great QB in the league. I think it just depends on his injuries. Really looking forward to his progression, though. Yeah, and I know we're supposed to be talking about Carson Wentz, but uh, I just got to say, I know you guys were saying, like, Lamar, Mahomes, and Russell Wilson, but 
for me, the three quarterbacks who are going to be there are Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson is, like, better than Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, just because, like, he can throw the ball with a lot more accuracy than Lamar. I know he says he thinks he's not a running back, but uh, I think he is. <laughs> and Deshaun. Pocket decides who you are for you. <laughs> yup, yup. Deshaun has that mobility, too, that Lamar has. Maybe not to the same degree, but he still has it. And he just, like, does everything. I saw him in that playoff game versus the Bills. He made some spectacular Superman-like mm, plays. Yeah. And I just think, like, he has to be mentioned when you guys are talking about that top elite tier of quarterbacks. Yeah, I I think for me, at least, up until now, I've been on the edge between Lamar and Deshaun. Uh, I think this year is going to be huge for me to, like, or for me or anyone to decide who's who's the better player. Because Lamar, you know, Everyone's figuring out his antics. They know he can run now. They've seen what he can do. Deshaun, he lost DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he still has Brandon Cooks. That's nowhere near DeAndre Hopkins. So I want to see how he's going to work with those weapons. And if he can do good and Lamar is like, you know, drops down to like a Cam level, uh, Cam Newton level, then I would definitely argue that Deshaun Watson's better. What about you, Paul? Uh, yeah. Well, one thing about Cam Newton level, I think that, in play possibly but I think I think well, I think what Cam Newton has done and I mean I guess I always we always kept a close eye on him because you know he was our division rival like Falcon Falcons rival yeah um I felt like Cam was always like a little dysfunctional um and that's the reason why teams weren't picking him up um you know it was like there was always like a little bit of drama surrounding him and I don't think that Lamar um, he, he doesn't have any of those issues that Cam does. Um, yes, they play similar. I mean, Lamar is, you know, skinnier than Cam is. Uh, but I, I don't think that, like, I think he, I think Lamar works too hard for him to, like, drop down to that level. But the interesting thing is with Watson um, is that Lamar, when, when we compare Lamar this year to with, with Deshaun the past couple of years, Deshaun consistently had, like, a significantly worse team Um than the Ravens were this year. You know, he just doesn't have the same weapons on the O-line, um, on the receiving end, uh, at running back, as, as Lamar does. And so I think that's why you're going to see, even if Watson, I, I think that we would we will never see Watson's true potential um, as long as this team is around him, as long un, until he gets, you know, better players around him. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a win a Super Bowl. And he's playing in a tough division with the Titans and the Colts there. So he may not even make the playoffs some years. But, like, even through that, you'll still see he's, you know, just a beast. I was going to say stud again, but uh, just a beast. <laughs> because, like, you can tell when one player is just carrying the whole team. I know Akil can say that with Carson Wentz. And I just see that with Deshaun Watson. And I just think he's going to be so good for so many years to come. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, Paul, do you have anything to expand on your Drew Locke MVP campaign prediction? Uh, nah, not really. All right, then. If we're all good, then we'll wrap it up. This has been episode two of Half Court Heave NFL edition. Weekly, we'll have one episode of NBA and then another segment NFL. Any recommendations, then please contact us. Thank you, guys. <laughs>